fire. Fire. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's your boy, Pete the Planner, Peter Dunn. Oh, I just took my face off the screen. There we are. Hello. Welcome to 2021. I'm your host. This is your co-host. And boy, do we have things to say. Damien Dunn joins me as always from Studio North. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Sorry, I thought that was a general announcement, not just directed towards me. No, it was very personal to you. All right. Who is joining us today? Good day, Danza. Happy New Year to you. Dame, have all of your packages and gifts and shipping gotten to the location where they need to go for the things that you shifted or shipped for the holiday? Have they gotten to their destinations? Two things here. One, I think you probably ought to put a little bit of respect on Danza's title when you talk to her since she was an award winner. I'm sorry. Listener of the year, Danza. Good day. Yeah. Uh, and yes, my my shipping problems uh, have been smooth sailing, so... Happy to to ship whatever I can. We uh we are still missing several uh, packages really? and whatnot. Yeah, very very unusual. You know what? And I'll have to say, for what it's worth, I feel as bad for the people of the U.S. Postal Service as I feel for just about anyone else in this country right now. Uh, what they what they were able to accomplish, and and I'm, I feel sad for them that they're so inundated. Um, hey, also joining us right now is award winner. Lifetime Achievement Award, the Chip Maxwell Lifetime Achievement Award, Jameson Schuler from Texas. Hello, Amanda Grace, my new favorite name of 2020, if you remember correctly, Dame. And Mike, who's my father's name. Hello, Mike. You are not my father, but if you were, it's nice to finally talk to you again. I'm just kidding. I talk to my dad all the time. All right, Dame, uh, let's do some show planning because we've not done any show planning. Why not? All right, so I sent you, uh, we were in a conversation this week, and I said, uh, I want to talk about the markets in relation to what in the world just happened. Okay. Okay, so we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to go into uh, the research update that you did this week in terms of the market history stuff. So you might want to grab that tab, pull okay. that open. Uh, second, Dame, we are going to take that question that Oz put in the Slack channel. There were two, I think. Which one sure. are you referring to? I don't know yet. Either, well, one of those. <laughs> and then I wrote a column for both publications this week, but I th- I'll either go through both my columns or I definitely want to go through my Indianapolis Business Journal column about who knows the intimate details of your financial life. Okay. And, and, and why I think people need to put some more thought into that. Hello, Tracy. Good day to you. And been looking forward to the show all week. You know, that's really nice to say. Uh, I would also like to note that my voice is back, which uh, to the dismay of my family and to the, I don't know, as a broadcaster to hear your voice sound like garbage is just really, really uh, disconcerting. All right. um, Oh, some other updates. Um, Number one, if you're interested in a complete no strings, there are strings. If you're complete in uh, interested in a complete makeover of your financial life, that you will do on the air with us through the course of the first six months of 2021. Email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. In fact, you know what? I'm going to take us a step further. Why am I doing this? I'm going to share the link right now in the chat box to apply. Dane, what do you think about that? That's service, man. That is service. It is. I'm probably going to regret it for some reason I haven't figured out yet. But I'm putting it in right now, everybody. There you go. Apply to be on the show. Got it? Fantastic. Okay. Um, so, Dane, what other notes are you? Should I just start the show, right? Uh, yeah, I think we've got more than we can actually handle in one show. I don't know what you were thinking. I don't either. Um, all right. Three, two, one. This year on the Pete the Planner show... We continue to answer your money questions. Happy 2021 to you and yours from me and ours. Ours is Damien Dunn. No relation. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Dame the Pete the Planner Show is a show that's been around for a really long time. I uh, Dare I say this is its 13th year, maybe 14th. I'm not good with numbers. I don't know. But what we do is help you with the numbers in your life, your financial future. 
While you might think it is about math, it's really more about the letters that run around in your head, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. And what we've learned at our organization is if we can help you come to terms with your behavior in a really uh, approachable, conversational, realistic way, that you'll have a wonderful financial life. Dame, that was kind of nice. Yeah, you should record that. Good Lord. All right, Dame. Um, so big year this year for us here on the show. Uh, for the first six months of the show, starting here in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin doing full financial makeovers on five audience members. If, if someone wants to apply to be an audience, uh, the, the people who have their financial life made over here on the show, of course, we're going to change your name on the show. You're going to have your privacy, but we're going to really dig in and change your financial life in a six-month period. Uh, just email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And mon frere and mon, mon co-worker, Oz, will likely send you a link to apply for that. Dame, do you have a good holiday season? Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, could have done with a little bit more snow to have some fun outdoors, but uh, it was all right. Got to wind down a little bit and uh, spend some time with the family. Are you doing dry January? No. Okay. <laughs> Wait, can, let me ask that a different way. W were you intending to do wine uh, dry January? No to that one too. Okay, well, that's actually more respectful. Um, Dame, I am am doing dry January. Um, and I, I, it's just sort of a thing, you know? Last year, I think we we just didn't even try. A couple of years ago, we tried and failed. Years before that, we made it to like the 23rd. Um, yeah. But why? I don't get it. Is, is it just to say that you can? Oh, you know what? I'm going to uh, rescind my statement. Okay. I am doing a form of dry January. I am giving up Diet Coke. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's an aspartame dry January. I mean, you know what Diet Coke means to me. I do. Uh, we should probably do financial stuff now. Oh, okay. Uh, Dame, first segment, let's talk about why the market does not care about anything going on in the world whatsoever. Okay, so, you know, we got this feeling late spring into fall of 2020 that the economy and the market were beginning to separate themselves even more than usual as it relates to how they react to each other. And into October, into November, into December, and into this week, I think that case is strengthened. The market just does not care. And, and Dane, we're not going to talk a lot about what happened in Washington, D.C. this week because it's just not really um, pertinent to our conversation today. But I will say this. That was a historic moment, no matter what you believe, right? No matter who, who you think is right, it was a historic moment. Um, and so that is to say... A historically bad moment that the market didn't care about. The market was up 700 points prior to uh, the capital being stormed. The capital was stormed. And then the market was like, yeah, we're still going to end the day up just under 500 points. Now, Dame, if, if insurrection or whatever word you want to use or anybody wants to use doesn't cause the market to pause and say, what's going on here? Nothing will. Nothing will. And I, I don't want to say this has freaked me out, but I want to say, Dame, to all the people that feel skeptical of what the market's doing and how disconnected it is from reality, I have to say they've earned some credence to their ideas this last week, in my opinion. I understand your point of view. I dis uh, disagree in certain ways. I, I think that there are things that absolutely could make the market pause in its tracks and really consider what's going on and potentially crash the other way. Um, another 9-11 type of event, I, I think, would send shockwaves through uh, everything, especially with everything else that's going on right now, a, a tumultuous time in our history and a transition of power with a new administration. Um, I think anything that would happen on our soil that would be uh, of that magnitude would certainly cause cause uh, issues. Um, and there are other things that, that could come along as well that would um, drop things back if they were to find out that there was an issue with the vaccines that, that were released. I think that could send potentially the markets going, going the other way. Um, what I kind of appreciate about the situation is that uh, the market 
doesn't rely on all of the uh, things that are going on around it to base itself and in, in its progress or decline. So um, it, it's managing to keep its its uh, mind clear and its channel straight and it's focused on the financials at hand. So um, while it's odd to see this happen and actually play out in real life, it's uh, in a way almost reassuring that there's a separation between the markets and the economy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. If there was some sort of uh, catastrophic outward force like a 9-11 happening you know and i uh, i think back to 9-11 and i think about as a as a young advisor i think i was 23 years old and and obviously you were too um this was a period of time and you and i were learning how to to look at the markets right this is and and so what i began to do 20 some years 20 years ago is when there was a catastrophic event or the the idea that this event was going to happen something significant I would immediately look to the market to say, how's the market reacting to this? Because how the market was reacting to it impacted my feelings. Not because I'm greedy and I've got a bunch of money and, and I'm worried that my money's going down. That is the furthest thing. But Dame, I think generally the market is irrational. However, I think sometimes when it comes to these monumental events, you can gain some perspective by saying what the market thinks of it. And either A, I've moved the goalpost and, and of how I look at the, the market to react or B, I guess I'm now disagreeing with myself. The market said what happened this week is incredibly insignificant as it relates to the economy and to people's fortunes at large. And now I may have completely just reversed course. What? It's fine. It's, it's I, I, disturbing events, right? Disturbing sure. events. But I guess the market's like, well, how, 14 days. What do we what do we care? We're going to be OK. Everyone just pipe down. Is that is that what the market said? I think so. I, I mean, it, people are um, disturbed by, by what they saw. But in the grand scheme of things, nothing happened. The, 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 everything that the business of the government from the market's was, perspective, from the market's perspective, yeah. uh, the, the business that was intended to happen in the government was completed and things went on. Now, there were lots of regrettable things that happened uh, on that day, but none of them impacted the business of, uh, the, the ultimate business, I should say, of, of the government or the country. And because I don't really want to get into a, a social media maelstrom or even an email inbox maelstrom, I just have to say, I'll speak for myself here. And, and if you'd like to gather into my thoughts, feel free, Dane, but you can always speak for yourself. Uh, I'm not saying the events of this week were insignificant. I'm saying the market is suggesting that the events of this week are insignificant to our financial lives. I think the events of this week are beyond significant. I don't even I can't even come up with a good word, despite the fact that I'm a writer. I can't come up with a good word what happened this week. And it was a really disturbing situation. But the market simply does not care. Dame, uh, with that, uh, let's come back after the break and talk uh, briefly about what the market, how it ended up and how that impacts the 10-year numbers, which is something you and I track on a pretty regular basis with stocks, bonds, and then a 60-40 blend. And then we'll get into my IBJ column for the week. It's a new year, same us, 2021 edition of the Pete the Planner Show. Thank you for listening once again. We're glad you came back. I'm Pete the Planner. Well, I, I think we did so much jarble jarble at the beginning of that thing that we didn't get to the back end of the 10 year stuff I wanted to. We can drag it into the next segment. That's fine. Uh, Jameson says it's heard hard. to separate. It's hard to separate the market reaction to Georgia elections versus the capital event. You know what? I really agree with that. And, and I should have made that point on the air, Dame, uh, on the radio show, because you and I on this show within the last few weeks, I, I thought if the, the Democrats won Georgia, whether I wanted them to or not, I think that was going to cause the market to go down, and I was wrong. Um, I thought, if anything, uh, if the Democrats won both seats, that it was actually going to be a stabilizing factor or potentially a boost. So, I thought it would be in terms of the markets. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. 
Um, Danza, of course, uh, listener of the year, 2020 listener of the year, pouring Oz a large bourbon to deal with Pete's upcoming hate mail. Uh, not that he said anything wrong, but it's impossible to say the right thing. Yeah. Kind of is. Uh, by the way, Oz is a wine drinker. I don't like she, unless she likes the brown liquor or not. You know, she'll, she'll drink probably whatever's put in front of her. She likes the Pinot. Okay. Uh, Dame, I'm going to reset the audio here. Um, let's pray that Zencaster came back to 2021. Are you ready for this? Give it a shot. It's not going to work. Jumping Jehoshaphat. I believe it worked. Do you? Yeah. Uh, Jameson suggests. Uh, perhaps the market was already down leading into the election, assuming a D would win, and then it was done. The pressure released. I I think that the markets might have been anticipating uh, additional stimulus uh, that's going to get sent out around the uh, country. So maybe some more cash flow in the hands of consumers to uh, buy products and consume. So buy products. Uh, buy products. Yeah. All right. Three, two. Back on the Pete the Planner show, second segment, first show, 21st year of the millennium. Hello, Dame. Hi, Pete. Someone's going to disagree that it's the 21st year of the millennium. I, I'm not even sure if it is. This is where I get caught up and then people argue and tell me I'm not as smart as I think I am. Dame, uh, every year for the last several years, our team, led by you, uh, takes the market returns, the, the, the large index returns uh, each year, and then we, we have this database in which we then blend it in to take a look at how that affects the five-year running numbers, the 10, the 12, the 20, or the 10, the 15, the 20, the 25. And we do that for the S&P 500. We do it for an aggregate bond index. And then we do a 60-40 mix. And the reason we do this, several reasons, but I think it's, it's really interesting to get perspective as to, you know, what's your money done in the last 10 years if you've just left it alone? <laughs> Because so often our behavior and our inability to keep our heads and our portfolios intact is what prevents returns from being what we want them to be. And so, Dame, if you would, could you please tell us if your money was in the S&P 500 style index in the last 10 years, what rate of return would you expect to earn on an annual basis over that 10-year period and maybe begin with what the S&P ended up with in 2020 i i think it's gonna be really instructive i think people are gonna be really shocked uh when they they hear the numbers come through because man does it give credence to uh buy index funds and just leave stuff alone but yeah let's, it's not a recommendation no no it, it's it's you know it's some people would make that recommendation some people would uh 2020 s p 500 pretty darn good year 16 and a quarter percent, Pete, 16 yeah. and a quarter percent. And, and what's wild, and you kind of forget, 2019, the market did 30.43%. Yeah. What? Okay, so what's the 10-year number? 10-year average, 13.53. S&P 500 index, 13.53. Uh, so for some perspective, um, as an organization, we tend to tell people, that you should be relatively satisfied if you have a moderate aggressive to aggressive risk tolerance and you achieve somewhere between eight to nine percent. We think that is uh, realistic and we think that is something that you can use to to calculate long term uh, you know, future values, if you will. Mm -hmm. So uh, Dame on the 25 year number, the S&P 500 as of this year is up 9.38% annually over that 25-year period. That is absurd. Yeah, sign me up. I'll take it. I'm in. I, I, I say this on this show. Dame, I say this in our private conversations. I, give me 8%. I just, if you gave me 8% fixed and I, and, and I was assured that I couldn't get any more upside, I'd take it. And now you're telling me over the last two years, I got 30% one year and 16% the next year. And so Dame on the surface, I'm like, wow. But what if I wanted to take less risk? Let's say that I'm not a moderate aggressive investor, or even a moderate investor. I'm more conservative. I, I even know I'm young by age and old by looks. Maybe I want a 60-40 portfolio, a 60% equity, 40% bond portfolio. 
Dame, what did the 60-40 portfolio do in 2020? What did it do in 2020? 12 and three quarters percent, Pete, 12.72%. Again, that's out of bounds crazy. That's a very, I I won't say it's a very conservative portfolio, but man, that's kind of like your all weather tire. It's just going to do okay. And in all sorts of different conditions in the market and to get 12.72% in a year is something that you can feel really, really good about. The 60, 40 portfolio is sort of uh, in our industry. It's, it's something that every financial advisor has her own, you know, uh, thoughts about, right. Um, and, and, the, and the way I think about it is if you've got someone who doesn't know what they're doing, you've got an, uh, you know, a client that doesn't know what they're doing. They don't have a ton of risk tolerance. They don't have a ton of uh, investment knowledge. A 60-40 portfolio is a relatively harmless allocation to help them along their goals without agitating them too much. And so, Dame, for on a 10-year number, instead of getting 13 and change with a 100% equity portfolio with an S&P 500 fund, what does a 60-40 portfolio, what has it given us over the last 10 years on average? Nearly 10%, 9.78. That is crazy to me. And I would also like to point out that on the 25-year numbers, it's 8.12. It's, it's just simply a percent less. And you've introduced uh, bond instruments into that. And I, I don't know, I find that fascinating. Uh, anything else you want to say about this before we move on uh, to... Uh, who should know about your financial life? Uh, yeah, if you are the type of person who thinks that you need gigantic returns to make things work, uh, that may or may not be true. However, you can invest in a fairly conservative way if it's for a long period of time and still come out perfectly fine. So if you aren't comfortable taking um, a lot of risk in your investing life, you may not have to. And it's it's very worth it to look at other solutions and other portfolios that uh, you can sleep with at night, sleep well at night. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't want to touch that one with a two foot pole. I, I will say that the 60, 40 portfolio in 2019 got a 21.73% uh, yield or rate of return. I should say, uh, all right, Dame. So here's what's going to happen. There's no way we're going to fit in what we're trying to fit into. We've got too much to say. My voice is back. I'm all sided. Uh, you know, I put this out on Twitter this week. I'm not really on Twitter these days, but I, I did put it out because I'm just curious what people thought of like, how many people know the intimate details to, to your financial life? And so uh, I guess I put that question to you, my friend. How many people know the true intimate details to your financial life? One. Okay. And just you or are you talking about you and your spouse? Other, uh, than-, it's other than me, one. Yeah. Okay. My spouse. Okay. No one else. Is people probably know bits and pieces, but not all of it. Can you think of someone other than, can you think of the person that knows more than anyone else other than your wife? Do you do, is it one person who holds the most other amounts of information? Um, yeah, probably. You know, what's interesting is you and I are really close and, and we've known each other for a number of years. I know nothing about your financial life other than obviously your compensation. Uh, I mean, uh, not entirely true. I mean, we, we've had a few conversations. The numbers. But, uh, yeah, the numbers, no. The numbers. I, I know context, uh, but I don't know any of the numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, you know, if you if you uh, watch our show on Facebook Live on Fridays, uh, you can see people comment as we go along. And Cindy notes that there are two people that know about her financial life. It's her husband and Damien. Me thinks that Cindy is a, a hay money uh, customer. So if you want Damien to know the intimate details of your financial life, go to callheymoney.com. Actually, don't you have an offer code Damien? Uh, I might actually. Yeah. Try the offer code Damien for 10% off. (laughs) D-A-M-I-A-N. D-A-M-I-A-N. Dame, no one knows the intimate details of my financial life other than uh, Mrs. Planner. And you know, actually, I've sort of taken on a financial advisor here in the last couple of years, and and that person knows a lot, uh, and my accountant knows a lot. I mean, uh, but and I'll say this, and the reason I bring it up, and I'm probably about to hit the brick. Yeah, of course I am, because I'm a moron. <laughs> 
The reason I bring it up is because someone emailed me from an Indianapolis Business Journal column and asked me how often I talk about this casually with acquaintances. Because this person, whether it be Zoom meetings or back when you could see people, uh, had a circle of friends and that circle of friends sort of had uh, loose lips, if you will. Uh, they, they would constantly talk about their financial lives and it, and it caused this person to really judge people. It caused him to resent people within their group. And he never wanted to share so that those feelings didn't persist on the other side. So what we're going to do is after the break, I want to talk about my thoughts on that and how to protect your feelings and to protect the feelings of others and why it's important to actually tell no one about your financial life other than a trained professional. All of that is next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Well, I'll be damned. I mean, that actually kind of worked out, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. set it up. Knock it down. I'm curious as to what those people that are watching us live right now, what they think about you and actually I uh, having financial advisors. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, maybe the, we're not fishing for anything other than the truth. If you're watching right now uh, on YouTube Live or Facebook Live, I'd love your thoughts. Uh, how do you react when you hear someone like me or like Dame say we have financial advisors? Does it surprise you? Does it um, does it make you think? Well, you, they should. Uh, I'm curious. As, as to, it's funny. A bunch of people are weighing in. Said Damien and their wife. Damien, you're a big deal. Uh, Todd, interesting question here. Let's go ahead and ask. Uh, Todd asked from YouTube Live right now. Uh, I know you're a big 529 advocate. Uh, the U.S. equity index portfolio has performed admirably over the last 10 years and exceeded 20% during 2020 at 20.8%. Yeah, I mean, I am uh, I am an advocate of the 529 plan in the, in the right spot. And I think it's interesting to see that if you just even leave your kids' college money alone, if they've got enough time from a time horizon perspective, you can get some really nice uh, returns. All right, so other things coming in. Oh, let's see. Uh, Damien, Damien and my wife, once again, always good to have someone help, uh, who is detached and impersonal help with decisions. Agree. Amanda Grace, the best name of 2020. Good for you. Outside perspective is always helpful. Brittany, it's like a therapist having their own therapist. A good idea. I'm with you there. Totally with you there. Um, doesn't surprise me. Says Cindy, you always need a fresh set of eyes. Heather says it surprised her. Would a lawyer take their own case? Asked Sam. Sam's probably a lawyer. I think that's a smart move. A lawyer, man, you guys are on the lawyer tip. Quit talking about lawyers. You're going to get an invoice. A lawyer shouldn't represent himself. If you're too deep in the details, you can miss the bigger picture. A second set of eyes is a good idea. Dan's a listener of the year in 2020 says good moves. Um, it's like uh, a hairdresser that does her own hair. Uh, it, I wouldn't Dan, know. That seemed a bit on the nose. Yeah. That seemed a bit on the nose. Jameson goes with the football coach situation. Iron sharpens iron. Makes <laughs> total sense for you to have financial planners. I'm just busting your chops, Jameson. All right, Dame, let me reset the audio and then get into what we're going to get into here. Oh my God, I don't want to jinx this, but Zencaster has just worked twice in a row. Okay. <sighs> Let's start the next segment in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Dame, talking about who should know the intimate details of your financial life and who should know anything about your financial life. Dame, um, I don't really get invited to parties. And the reason is because, A, not fun. I'm funny, not fun. And you, you want fun people at parties. Number two, if you invite me to a party, I will be the first person there and I will be there before the party starts. And number three, I will be the first person to leave in such an uncomfortable way that you think I have intestinal distress. Like you're like, we're oh, it must be, it must be the chili. No, I'm out. I got, I don't, and I don't even have anything to do. I just don't want to be with you anymore. Like <laughs> that's why I'm not invited anywhere. Which all goes back to not having fun. But from time to time, you go to a party, people are having a cocktail, and they start talking about the bonus they got. Or the boat they're gonna buy, or, or maybe even not necessarily good things, but but details and, and things about their financial life. 
And I've always disliked this. And I don't think people should do it. And the reason is you can never have enough context about a person's financial life to, to be able to properly handle that sort of information that they're giving you. You don't know how they were uh, raised. You don't know how their significant other was raised. You don't know about their health and their health obligations and their insurance's ability to deal with those health obligations. You don't know about the strength of their organization that they work for. And so, Dame, I think you should talk about politics, religion, bedroom things more than I would ever talk about the details of your financial life. I think you need to be able to get into the weeds if you're going to be able to have a, a fruitful conversation about somebody's finances because on the face of it, you can't tell anything by a random number here or there other than maybe that was just a bad decision. Um, but even then, without the full context, that's why um, financial planners ask so many darn questions and they want so much data is because every little bit's going to matter in trying to figure out if uh, what direction you're headed makes sense for you, if there needs to be a, a change in philosophy or maybe some major overhauls with different things. Um, it, it all comes down to what information you can provide and what you're privy to before you can make a good judgment. And without that, well, you're just subject to your own biases and trying to you know, judge somebody else's situation, which you frankly probably don't have a clue about. Yeah. It, it, one of my favorite ideas within the financial realm is that, and I always think about it in terms of neighborhoods, right? Because you, you tend, and I know you don't live in a neighborhood, Dane, but I mean, in neighborhoods, you tend to have a similar socioeconomic reality as the people that you live next to. And what's fascinating to me is you can have two people of the exact same day, age who are in the exact same living and they're who live in the same neighborhood. So the house costs the same and their financial life couldn't be any more different. And, and I find that satisfying because it's complicated. And, and, and so often we see someone drive something or, or acquire something or work on their home. And it's really easy to not only feel jealousy around it, but even to take that to the negative side, resentment or um, not that jealousy is a, a good thing, but to take it further negative resentment or, or judgment as to, well, those people, they're, they're dumb. Right? They're, they're not making a good decision. But the reality is you just don't know. You don't know. If you're driving through a neighborhood in Wichita, Kansas, and you pass an unassuming house, or Omaha, Kansas, not Wichita, Warren Buffett may live there. He lives in an un unassuming house uh, that he's owned for century, uh, decades, not centuries. He, he is getting up there. Wow. Uh, I love you, Warren. I'm sorry. That was my Christopher Walken. You just missed it. Wow. wow. Yeah, that was It good. wasn't that good. Though. That was, you're right. Uh, but you don't know. Uh, just like you said, uh, you see what you see and you perceive it how you think you uh, are based. You perceive it how your experience tells you to perceive it. Outside of that, you just don't know. Yeah, I think especially in the times in which we're living in, if we're everything feels high stakes, right? Everything feels dangerous and potentially dark for people you're, you're dealing with. You know, I'm the team manager of my daughter's soccer club something that I'm really excited about. But part of that is is coordinating things and sending communications and emails about whatever logistics, which I like. I sent one this morning and you know just I just send the email uh, all logistics and jokes aside, I think is what I wrote. Um, I hope life is being kind to you right now and I hope if you're going through a tough spot that that you know just know that, that our thoughts are with you because I think that's how precarious life is for a lot of people right now. I feel like there's four or five different elements of society at large that can be kicking you in the teeth and, and to risk alienating anyone is just not worth the discussion of your financial life. And yes, I'm being a super oversensitive, you know, whatever, but you know, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at in my life. When, uh, when parents realize that it's you in charge of their kid's team, <laughs> Do they roll their eyes? Do they get excited? Uh, what kind of reactions do you get? Here's what I've learned about me. Um, some people find me witty and clever. And other people find that I find myself witty and clever. And I'm okay with that. And I, I guess I'm understanding of that. So the, uh, 
I try to keep it light. I try to keep it well planned. Um, and I like to also remember that it's 11 year old girls playing soccer and that no one's getting a scholarship. That, that, that's my youth parenting situation. I think that's a great approach. So Dame, the takeaway from this segment is this. Just don't talk about your financial life with anyone. Because if they can't hold you accountable, then what's the point of them knowing? And if you're going to have them hold you accountable, they have to know everything. You have to have someone in your life who knows everything. Damien, you and I uh, were having a nice discussion before the show started today about stress and financial pressure and these sorts of things and things that you and I love to talk about, right? It is so hard when someone isn't there to bounce things off of, of, of maybe someone who has some perspective on your situation. And one of the biggest fears about life in general, not just finances, is that when you don't feel like anyone understands you and you don't feel heard, it's so easy to feel just lonely and uh, on an island. And, and that's a terrifying feeling in great times. It's, it's unacceptable, frankly, in the times we're in now. And um, this is not meant to be dystopian or a downer today. I mean, this is meant to be uplifting. We're on the way out of this thing collectively as a, as a country and as a world, hopefully. <laughs> not that I just want the U.S. to get out and everyone else to fend for themselves. I, I want a global community to get out of this. Uh, but I think we need to continue to be really sensitive to what people are going through. And I think it begins with the discretion that we have of talking about people's financial lives. I think the workplace is... Uh, especially dangerous to talk about your financial life because, you know, you have this feeling of this person makes that, or well, I work harder than them. And you don't see as much of that here in the 2020 and into 2021 because no one's actually working in an office. It's not like in Zoom, you and I are having Zoom lunches talking about what people make, Dame. I, but I do feel like that workplace dynamic adds something to this. Workplace dynamics uh, and relationships are tenuous enough in good times you don't need to layer a potentially incredibly volatile subject like compensation or uh, the, the ski boat that you just bought uh, into the conversation. Um, use discretion when, when you start to talk about uh, this topic and potentially many others in the workplace. I have to admit myself, like if I have someone in my neighborhood that I know is doing a bunch of renovations or something like that, I'm always like, who, wonder who died in their family. Like I, I have these like weird natural thoughts of trying to be a two bit screenwriter to fill in the pieces. And that's what this is really about. When you don't have all the context, it is natural for your brain to try to solve the contextual issues that are absent. And that's where you do yourself and, and your friends a disservice. So, uh, Dame, let's do this. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. I think we're kicking off 2021 with a pretty good biggest waste of money of the week. I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, and, of course, the news. All of that is next on the first edition of the Pete the Planner Show. If you want us to make over your financial life this year, email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. We will send you an application, and maybe we'll do it. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Todd notes in on YouTube live is the one exception to sharing finances. If you have a power of attorney as part of your will, I assume, and perhaps they don't need to know everything to a penny. That's an interesting question. I think, and, and I, I think I understand where you're going and maybe Dame does too. Dame is the idea here that like, well, Hey, if whoever's going to take over your estate in the event of your passing, should they know everything now? Is that was, do you think that's the way you're viewing that question? I was actually considering bringing this up, whether it was a POA or an executor or whatever it may be. Um, you may want to keep them in, uh, informed or abreast of some very general things. But you could very easily create a Pete's dead binder of your very own yeah. and basically say, hey, this is what you need to re rely on to make sure that everything is taken care of in my my estate or if it's a POA situation where um, you just need to, uh, you're incapacitated for whatever reason and they need to take care of some business for you. So I, I think it's very possible to keep them at arm's length uh, on their knowledge of what goes on in your household on a month-to-month -month basis and still have them prepared to take care of business when the time comes. That's fair. I also think, you know, it only take, th this is probably a much bigger topic. 
it doesn't take a lot of time to pass for the person that you appointed as the executor of your estate to no longer be the appropriate person. Mm, yeah. <laughs> maybe that, maybe we can talk about that. Let's talk about that now, maybe next week or maybe that's a good column. You know what? That's a good column. That is a good column. Uh, yeah. Okay. You ready for this thing? Biggest waste I, of money I, the week? I want to see what it is. All right, everybody. Here we go. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is the Rajiv Basu dog delivery jacket. The COVID pandemic has more people avoiding public areas and opting to have groceries delivered to their homes, resulting in a surplus of unused delivery bags. In response, Rajiv Basu is upcycling these insulated grocery sacks into chic dog jackets. The metallic coat is handmade in New York. Of course it is. Yeah. And features a stylish cropped body, tailored fit, and the original packing labels. Some sanitary. Uh, it's pre-purposed material, or pardon me, it's repurposed material, also makes the jacket waterproof. Modeled by his dog, Remy, the piece is made under the creative director's Between Two Naps. The collaborative produces experimental canine fashions inspired by the sleepy Chewini and already includes a line of avant-garde padded helmets. So, Dame, there's no price on this particular product. There's there, but it is uh, the oddest looking. It looks like a spacesuit for a Chihuahua. And I have no idea what it costs. It doesn't list the cost, but whatever it is, is too much. I have questions. I'll, I'll do my best. These were bags that food was delivered in, correct? You're exactly where I'm at, by the way. Keep going. How long is it going to take for the dog to stop licking the coat? Because it's going to smell like food. Oh, you're in a much different spot than I'm in. You're in a much smarter spot. My spot was at the beginning, they're like, since people aren't getting groceries... Um, there's not delivery back. It's like, aren't all of these in use? Isn't the point of this that there's a, this says resulting in a surplus of unused delivery bags, right? There are no unused delivery bags because everyone's having food delivered. I don't understand that concept. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I'm not sure how there could possibly be a surplus of these things floating around the country right now. I don't know. It's a waste of money, but that's okay. I mean, look, if you want to make your dog look like it's in a Brad Pitt movie, fine with that. Dame, did you see any good television or movies uh, since our last discussion? I multiple times thought about uh, the recommendations you made yeah. and promptly forgot what they were, and I did not watch anything that you recommended to me. Good. I, I like that. I uh, got through season three of Cobra Kai, oh. which was really good. Um it's really cheesy show, but I, I still love it. Um, Did you watch uh, Mandalorian? I've not gotten to season two of Mandalorian yet. It's on the it's on the horizon. We're into like major football season here, and so like I'm you know I'm intrigued. Dame, what's in the news this week? A group of Google employees formed a union to organize workers across technology companies' sprawling global operations, which is a rare move within Silicon Valley. Representatives from the Alphabet Workers Union. The AWU, uh, whatever, uh -huh. uh, which is currently backed by around 200 workers, which is a obviously a tiny fraction of the company's 132,000 employees, will be affiliated with the Communications Workers of America Local 1400. They're going to have to pay 1% of their salary to belong to this union, Pete. By the way, Google employees are among the best paid workers in American corporations and enjoy ample perks. Median pay at Alphabet was, you want to guess? Yes. Oh. Median, Median pay. pay at Alphabet. I'm going to go $116,000. Oh, $258,000. Are they looking for balds? I, I don't know. I may have an opportunity to have an interview soon. I don't know. If you do, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> See if you can get my, your foot in the door for me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, I've been thinking about this because I saw that story this week. Do you know what company, if their people unionizes, 
changes everything. Do you know what one organization on our planet, all the United States, that if its workers unionize, it changes everything? Our company. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Amazon. Oh yeah. And, and I don't say, I don't, people always read what they want to read into that. They're like, oh, I'm anti-union or whatever. Yeah. I'm not. I just, I'm saying if Amazon workers unionize and you got to think that that's a thing, right? I'm surprised they haven't already, honestly. With some Everything of the changes that you hear about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because big companies like that fight unions coming in. I mean, there's no... We all we all took high school econ and government and all those other civics classes to help us understand those sorts of things uh, as to why they do that, uh, whether it's the right thing to do or not. But you've got to believe there's an entire department at Amazon. Uh, and by the way, I am speculating. I have no <laughs> that the, the, the tries to keep that out. I think there are some limits on what they can and can't do uh, to prevent unionization, but it would not be in their best interest. What else is in the news this week? Small drones will be allowed to fly over people at night in the United States. Sorry, uh, fly over people and at night in the United States. Oh. The FAA uh, said on Monday a sig significant step toward their use for widespread commercial deliveries. Oh. The FAA said it's long-awaited rules for the drones. You know, I've been waiting a long time for this. I just It helps you. Refreshing. Uh, also known as unmanned aerial vehicles, will address security concerns by requiring remote identification technology in most cases to enable their identification from the ground. UPS said in October 2019 that it won the government's first full approval to operate a drone airline. Not just a drone, a drone airline. Well, there's your, um, there's your union solution <laughs> seriously i mean those stories are linked we realize that right yeah i how i mean would you uh would you feel comfortable hopping on a, a plane a big metal tube flying through the air with nobody at the controls uh is it in the midst of a pandemic uh, no i got to thinking about our predictions conversation from the last show of the year and i'm struggling to understand by the way ladies and gentlemen paul ashley my good friend is calling me on my my iPhone right now, but we're not going to answer that. Um, I got to think about our predictions and I would like to, I need to make a correction from last okay. week. I both said the market will go up 21 and 22% because I, I was reiterating the point and then I changed the number. Okay. 20, 20 or 22% is the one I'm sticking with. The S&P 500 will be up 22% this year, not 21. Appreciate you bringing that to our attention. I want to be an honest person. Second thing is we should have, we should have had one for me specifically because you know how I am about when will I fly again? And I, I'm, I, I might fly in 2021. No, you won't, but I won't. <laughs> you won't. I won't. There are big infotainment displays and then there's Mercedes Benz's hyper screen. Get excited. The German automaker just unveiled a mammoth pillar to pillar 56-inch touchscreen that will debut in the upcoming EQS luxury electric sedan. A hyperscreen is the centerpiece of the automaker's second-generation M-Bucks infotainment system that eschews physical buttons in favor of a completely digital and voice-controlled in-car user experience. The EQS is estimated to start at a base price of nearly $100,000. Mercedes defrost rear windshield. There you go. Mercedes defrost front windshield turn to hot. And then, cause then, cause then it, it you, you have it the like either, either too cold or too hot. And then it fogs up worse. And then you're like, no, 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 cold, hotter. Ah, and then you wreck. Exactly. I, I think voice activation and automation stuff has uh, been greatly oversold. I will say this, the greatest piece of technology, and I'm definitely not thinking this through that we've acquired in the last year, is an Amazon Fire Stick. Um, it is greatly superior to an Apple TV, of which I'm a Apple fanboy. 
And the reason for this, Dame, and the reason I bring it up is because the remote is voice activated. It saves you minutes. That's all we have time for this week on the show. If you want to be on the show, if you want us to make over your financial life, go to uh, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. I don't know why I do that from time to time. I just like get in a weird cadence. This is the show. People love it. <sighs> so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, Dame. Um, I would love to hang out. I have a 130, and so I need to get some nutrition in my face before then. Based on the conversation that we had before the show, yeah. I'm not feeling like you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, everybody, I continue to lose a tremendous amount of weight. <laughs> I'm not bragging. I, and nothing's wrong. I just... Uh, yeah, he's healthy. Don't freak yeah, out about yeah, it. Everything's yeah. okay. I'm just, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, it's not even like a, it's not even like a new year's resolution. I mean, I'm doing dry January, which sadly is contributing to my weight loss. <laughs> really why, weird, why? why are you doing dry January? Uh, I, not to be part of the movement or anything like that. I just think every once in a while, you should probably reset your relationship with uh, okay. alcohol. You know, Fair enough. you know, I love it so much. I, I'm in the 170s now, dude. What? Yeah. Like, and, and you know what's weird about bodies is it's sometimes you don't know what another person has on their frame. Like you don't know if that's a lot or a little. That's not very much for me, you know. Yeah. I, you know. If you had to poke a hole in the belt to to be able to cinch it up. Uh oh yeah, none of my clothes fit. It's a no one cares. All right, hey Dame, salutations. I'll be here next week. I hope you will be too. Everyone, thanks for joining the show. Um, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com if you want us to make over your financial life. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Oz will hit you back with an application link. And then, uh, you know what? I'm going to go to the thing right now and see who is applied during the show. There have been people applying during the show. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Uh, we'll get after it. Uh, goodbye, y'all.